Welcome to the You Can Man podcast, episode 95. I'm Josh. I'm Tim. And I'm Dave. And on this week's episode, Construction Blunders with Dave. Hey guys, welcome back to the UK Man Podcast, where we believe what one man can do, you can do as well, but you got to have the proper know-how, and you got to have some help from your friends. On this week's show, Dave is a professional engineer, if you guys didn't already know that. And so Dave's got some stories. He's got some stories of some pretty significant construction blunders. And so we thought we'd uh, have a little story time with Dave. And then Josh and I are going to chime in there. Two out of three of them are on me, by the way. Oh, really? Spoiler alert. Okay. Even more interesting. I'm I'm digging this. But guys, what's been going on? Man, uh, it warmed up here in Georgia. It's hot. My grass started getting crazy. And I always wait too long every spring. I wait too long to cut it. That's better than the, the alternative. Ooh. No, the first cut, because then I would throw the You're wet grass scalp on it, right? top of itself. Yeah, you got to scalp that I've junk. I've read. Yeah, you don't scalp it. I've read that you scalp it. I've read, different. I've read different. I've I don't read different. I don't ever scalp it because it never, it, you know, you but scalp it and then it looks like Y'all have got junk cool and, season grasses. Though, yeah, yeah, we do. Season, I don't yeah. think you scalp a cool season grass, yeah, right? I, I don't know. I've read that you can, but I've also read don't because you never want to cut more than a third right. of your blade, of your grass Except blade for the first down. cut. That can't be true. Anyway, I, I cut it long every time. I cut it long. Yeah. And this time, like I said, I usually wait too long. And then it's, you know, six feet of grass getting thrown on top of itself. And then everything gets dead and wet and big piles of – anyway. Well, I hey, wait man. too long this time. And Lord. I cut it long. I'm going to cut it, well, I guess, a little more frequently than normal. See, uh, y'all got nice yards. Anyway. I didn't even – this past season, I did not rake the leaves. I did not run over the leaves. Oh, we know. I just left it. I was like, I'm just not going to do anything about it this time because usually I'll at least run over the leaves with, you know, a few times with the mower, mulch it up. I just left it all this year. And so I just did my first cut of the season as well. So I was churning through (laughs) all these leftover leaves from the fall and my mower starts like keeps cutting off. That's called mulch. Look, you, I'm going to say 50% of the summer, your yard that you don't do anything to looks better than mine. And so that, that kind of, in the dead of summer, it looks like crap in the dead of summer, the rest of the year. Probably true. Tim's grass in the summer looks really good for like, like 72 hours. It's weeds. And then it gets, you're like, okay, that's not real grass. Right. But like right away. <laughs> Dude. But here, it's it's literally a situation of the grass is always greener. Because while my grass looks amazing right now, uh, I hate it in July. Well, you got you got to start that. You got to start the antifungal right now. Because that's what will get you. Dude, but your yard straight up, I, I legitimately might have to do an insurance claim on my car. Because it's tonight, I pulled up and that freaking berm that you got. I talked about it last time on oh, the podcast. You pulled over that. I, so last time I was driving my wife's car, Toyota Highlander, borderline SUV, Almost or excuse lifted. me, borderline minivan, monster truck. Um, but my car, so I drive a Honda Accord. I mean, that thing is slammed. Well, you know what happened. We got new water lines. I do know what happened, and the listenership knows what happened because they listen to every episode. But man, I ran into that berm. Heard a crunch, got out. I'm just, I like, I got it all up yeah, under the underside. Don't run over that again. I tried to pull down the driveway. I don't, I don't think they compacted that no, at all. It's I, really tall. I'm worried that the pipe's gonna get messed. It's gonna up. flex. 
I, yeah. I got a question real quick. So we had been talking about right before we press record, what are we going to call this thing? And I said, maybe construction horror stories. And I don't know how to say that word. Mm. I know Josh, Josh <laughs> will call me out. Like, this is one of my things that I get like, I mean, I, I are, latch on to this. Are you that. one of those people that don't pronounce H? Like I, No, it's not not the H, but I he think He just wants to know he's not being weird about how he pronounces it. Yes, exactly. All right. So my dad comes from the – he's born and raised in Rhode Island, and he said things like orange instead of orange. And so I said orange for the longest time, and I was like – I heard other people say, and I'm like, well, that sounds weird. And I can't say – my mom says – she would say horror – Okay, because she's real. She's got a southern draw. I don't know how to say that word. I feel weird every time I say. It. Do you say horror or do you horror? Say, horror? Yeah. You say horror stories. That sounds weird too. Uh, mm. Horror, 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 horror. If you're talking it's a hard one word southern to say. or to another, it's horror stories. Horror stories. Yeah. Horror I mean, stories. You don't. Horror. It's not well, a lot of you're never saying it just not dressing alone. it up. You're never saying it just sing. You know, right. it's always tied to something. So it's just well, kind of like horror. Unless you when you're in a when you're in specific line of business. When you're in a car by yourself and you're rehearsing the You Can Man podcast and you keep saying horror stories, horror stories, horror, horror. It just man, it starts to sound weird. Uh-huh. There's a name for that. There's like a psychological term for you know when you say a word. 50 times in a row, not 50, 10 times in a row, it starts to sound like you're like, is this, compulsive. is this even a word? Now there's a legitimate, I don't know the name of it, but there's something for that. Whatever. Have you guys started, I'm going to encourage you guys, okay, to start a family tradition. Tell me if you guys have done something like this. So we just started doing every Sunday, we will go out on a hike to nice. like someplace. Sometimes we haven't been, or we've only been doing it for several weeks now. But, you know, most of the time we had been doing Kennesaw Mountain, which we've been a ton. But there there are a lot of spots that we hadn't been before. We did Amicalola Falls. We did Arabia Mountain. You now, guys drive and hike. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for those of you that are out of state, I'm, I'm naming places that are within driving distance of Metro Atlanta. And then today we did some place called Sawnee Mountain. S-A-W-N-E-E. That's, in, that's up and coming. Yes. I used to live right there. Yeah, yeah. It was gorgeous. So. Yeah. But kids have been loving it, uh, so just encouraging you guys. You have you guys have anything like that you started doing with the I, kiddos? I used to do. I used to eat Mexican food every Sunday night, there and I get that one of those. Good. I get one of those big old like the bowl margarita. Oh, I get so wow. my wife doesn't really drink. She doesn't drink, and I don't drink that often. But on Sunday nights, I would go <laughs> and get a gigantic bowl margarita. And so I, I say about like family traditions with kids in the day. That was before. Chime. That was literally before we were married. We weren't. We weren't married at the Dave time. Dave chimes in with, "Well, I get a big margarita." Hey, man! Look, whatever you got to do. Uh-huh. We went not too randomly. I took my boys to the local Soap Creek uh, Park. Whatever nice. you call Soap it. with an E. Soap with an E, and uh, yeah, we did man, three miles. I pushed a little high, a little jogging stroller. But it was built for off-road because if I didn't have that thing, we never would have made it. No. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we try to get out. It's more of a thing where I can see that three boys under six years old. And I'm like, okay, if I don't take you out of the house, you gotta I'm going to take that you out in another way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've been trying to get out more. Gotcha. Good for you. All right. Let's get in and talk about some construction horror stories <laughs> or blunders. <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm uh, interested to see what Dave says, especially that you're saying that some of them were your fault. Two out of three. It's kind of like a sto- story time six, seven. It is kind of story time with well, Dave. And before you begin, why don't you kind of give our listeners, because we've done an entire show 
on what Dave does. And actually, Josh was not there for that one. I remember it was just mm. you and well, I. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, uh, I was not interested. It was so, like an Oprah interview. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Straight up. So Dave is a, a structural engineer. He's been doing it for, gosh, how long now? Eight it's years? I don't know. Since 08. Okay. I, I don't know. I'm not good at math. But. Gotcha. Okay. So I was off longer than that. And uh, yeah, mostly dealing with wood, right? Not steel as much, more wood construction. That's not, no, that's not no, true. That's not true. I did a lot of steel construction for the first part of my career for like the first seven years and then transferred into wood multifamily construction, like the whole live, work, play type places. We do a lot of those. Nice. And then I did schools for a while. Uh, that's a lot of wood or excuse me, that's a lot. That's like no wood. That's steel and concrete and CMU. And then did some uh, some concrete. I kind of have a you know a I would say a jack of all what, trades, master of none. What building did we visit when we were in Charleston? That ah, time? we visited. So that was Buist Academy, hmm. and that was a school. It was a private school. That was a really really complicated school. Um, so that was all cold form stud framing. What does that mean? So cold form studs are so if you live in a house or an apartment, you probably live live in a wood structure. It's, so it's like wood. Wall studs. It's like the two by fours or the two by sixes. For a lot of construct or a lot of commercial buildings, you'll do they'll do cold form studs, and so they're um, they're made up. We you, you could also call it light gauge. It's a really thin metal, like really really thin. No, you're just talking metal studs. Met, metal studs. So they're you the, used a fancy word and threw me off. Yeah, cold form studs. They're they're the cross section of them is a C shape. Yep. But when you like stand them up, it looks like a wood stud, except it's silver. It's it's steel. So. That I did cold form construction, light gauge, steel studs. That's what I did for uh, the first seven years of my career. Then moved into more what we call structural steel, wood, concrete, kind of your traditional building materials. Cold form is a little bit uh, more specialized. Okay. All right, let's move into some real life examples. Let's so yeah, sideways. let's talk about some blunders. Now, like I said, uh, I'm going to talk about three main things, and we're going to toss this around. Like I'm going to give a little story. Then uh, I think Tim's got a, a story or two. Josh may have one. I think Josh probably is uh, slacked off a little bit. But anyway, I've got I've got them lined up. So yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about some things that I've run across in my career. Quick disclaimer: construction in the United States is extremely safe. The construction industry is very well regulated. Okay, sometimes too well regulated, uh, but it's there's a lot of checks and balances. The things I'm going to talk about did not result in any kind of you know major issue. Also, none of these pertain to my current employer, so that's a good thing. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So the first thing, and this was this was like almost day one that happened to me. Literally, like day one first job, first job right out of school, bright eyed and bushy tailed. Like I'm showing up with my mechanical pencil. And my calculator, and I'm ready to get after it in the engineering world. Like, I'm excited because, I, you know, that's my first real job. I'm like, I'm going to do this thing for real. So I show up, and I'm ready to go. I'm super excited. This was literally week one if it wasn't day one. And something that we focus on a lot in construction or in engineering is the design of connections. It's a, it gets a big focus because typically if you're going to have a failure, columns don't usually break. Beams don't break. It's generally you're going to have an issue with connections. That's not all true all the time, but you, there's just a lot more going on with connections. So where two pieces come together, where two pieces at come that together, point is more likely to fail than the actual big than pieces. the actual big pieces, right? So like maybe the the bottom of your wall connection, so like where the where your wall attaches to your foundation or your concrete slab, something like that, like a connection point. There's just more going on there 
Um, there's more human error, I guess, built in there. It's just more of an, it, it doesn't so happen all the time, but you could have issues there. We're talking about like the shear. Talking about shear or tension. Yep. Okay, shear yep. or tension. So what happened here was they were like, hey, uh, excited young baby Dave, we need you to, to, to design these concrete anchors. So anchoring this wall to, the, to this concrete. And there are these big old screws that they screw down into the concrete through the bottom of the wall. And, uh, hey, we need you to design these anchors. I was like, cool, I can do that. It's no problem. No big deal. And so I go back to my office. I run these numbers. I hand them in. They send them out to get built. Uh, like very little, you know, very little oversight. <laughs> Sounds frightening to me. It's kind of frightening. I mean, look, that's what, listen, that's what I deal with no, every day. It <laughs> um, so what happened? So when you, with, with these anchors, what they do, they test these anchors in like, you know, not a laboratory setting, but when, they, when you say you design the anchor, are you saying you 100% of it, like they got to make a mold for this thing? Like, I'm just thinking, no. why didn't you just open up the Home Depot? That's exactly what I did, not the Home Depot. So <laughs> when kidding. I say I'm I did, kidding about Home Depot, but you know what I mean. What, when I say I designed them, um, when you fat, so let's say you build a wall and you're attaching it to your concrete slab, how often do you space those anchors? Or, hey, do you need a three-eighths okay. inch diameter anchor? Do you need a half-inch diameter anchor? So, do you need, yes. so like, what do you need? What I do is I just, whatever th- looks pretty good. Yeah, whatever looks yeah. good and whatever's not super expensive, I'll just use that. <laughs> so like, it was more like, Dave, tell us the type of fastener to use, how often to how often use it's, it. Yeah, how often do we place tell us it? What, yeah, which fastener What's the, the embedment? Like, how deep does it need to go? Can it, how, where does it need to be placed on the wall? Like, can it be, hey, can we place it right up? It'd be way easier if we place it right up to the edge of the concrete. No, I mean, can we do that? No, do we need to, how far back? Right. We, that kind of stuff. So I designed the placement and the size of these anchors. So what I did, so like I said, when they test these, they test these anchors to figure out how strong they are. And they take them all the way up to failure, okay, until the anchor breaks or the concrete breaks or whatever, like the system fails. That's called the ultimate strength, okay? That makes sense, right? The yes. ultimate strength of the fasteners when it breaks. Uh, what you're allowed to design to basically is called the allowable strength. And pretty much, it's not always true, but let's just say it's a factor of four less than that. So they, if, you're, if the anchor fails at 1,000 pounds... Divided by four, okay, the allowable strength is 250 pounds. Is that right? Yeah, 250 pounds. So that's kind of how that works. Now, they publish both of these values in these books that you get. So like these manufacturers, they'll publish, hey, here's your allowable strength. Here's your ultimate strength. I didn't really – I'm not going to say I didn't understand that. I didn't know they published both values, I guess, like day one. Nobody really told me that. So I designed these anchors – and like three days later, I realized, hey, I've designed these anchors for the ultimate strength. <laughs> so basically, I've designed them all the way up to failure. So when the wind blows, these things are just going to explode. That's not what was going to happen. That wouldn't have happened. Like, they would have been fine. You've underbuilt it by a factor of four. Uh, by a factor yeah. of four. So they built it. They built in this, you know, this oh, safety I factor. You, I thought you said you built it up to the ultimate strength. So I, d- I basically. They used each I, one to their ultimate strength. Oh, so I used the enough. ultimate strength value. I didn't use the allowable value, which is much lower. So, like, I had way too few fa- fasteners in there. And, like, I'm sitting there at my desk, like, literally the first week. And start shaking. Yeah, I start getting all hot. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Look, they're going to fire me? What am I going to do? I don't, I was like, I'm just not going to say anything. I was like, I can't do that. I got to tell somebody. So school down the train. So I like walk down the hallway, tell Mr. Project Manager, man, I was like, hey man, look, I think I, I was like, what's this ultimate? No, I knew what ultimate, (laughs) you learn in engineering school, like what ultimate is, but I was like, hey, this is what happened. He's cool. He's like, oh, hey, you know what? Let's pick up that phone. Mr. Contract on the phone. Hey, let's not build that quite yet. It all worked out. It was all good. 
But that was that's you know, a day one horror story. That I'll was day that. that was day you, you know that. literally day one. It all worked out. You know, it it was an honest mistake. It wasn't a big deal. But in my mind, I was like, uh, this thing is going to explode, <laughs> dude. That's that's a lot of pressure to to make. And it, I mean, I guess we all deal with it. Those of us who like train for a particular thing, and then you actually go do it in real life. Especially jobs that don't have a ton of like on the job co-ops type stuff, like a lot of going to do the job while you're in school type thing. That's a so good it's yeah. just like turning on the switch. Like, okay, real life now, go. And I think maybe being like really tall, people just assume that you got everything figured out. Like there's something tall built- and really nerdy looking. Yeah, there's something built in there. They're like, hey, this guy, he knows everything. So uh, in general, I think people kind of give you the benefit of the doubt and they're like, well, Dave, you know, he just got out of school. So he pretty much knows everything you he, need he to know. put together. Yeah. And so, you know, they didn't, I'm not gonna, I got, they, I got well trained. It was a great job. They taught me well, but Day one, I didn't know what I was doing. All right. I've got a I've got a real life, like a DIY homeowner, regular Joe, you can man type. So, so the kind of thing you'd run story. into like every day. Yep. You could this run into something this. that happened. This probably happened to everyone because like we know about most general contractors, they're insert Ron Swanson quote quote here. <laughs> Things happen. So I'm getting I moved into this house that I'm in now. Patio, the back patio, big concrete patio, super nice. This will be awesome for entertaining. Problem was, is old. Some of it had settled. The the soil under it had settled. It was actually cracked and pitched towards the house, like towards the basement wall. That's so not good. Getting, you're just getting solid water in there. So we have to dig it up to replace it, which is fine. Hire a guy, find online. It's the kind of thing where like he was a general contractor guy, so everything you said, he's like. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> you know, like, and and then you're like trying to look at him in the well, eye, like, can you really? really? Anyway, he got his concrete guy out there, and I'm out of town while this is going on. Oof. And uh, was Tim I, watching over I can't it? Remember? No, I think I was out of town for the actual follow up. Anyway, so I am. Uh, they're they're they form they they tear up the concrete, put in a big concrete dumpster that's in my driveway. They form up the new patio, which is basically just replicating the old one. They put in some filter, we get it compacted, and then he goes to pour, except they're taking forever to form up the, these forms. Like, it's very basic framing up. They're taking forever. Yeah, you're just framing out a patio, and so it's it's just kind of, you're framing yeah, out. It's yeah, rectangles. Just, it's a, yeah. yeah, there was literally no curves. Anyway, concrete truck is in the neighborhood sitting out in front of the house, just churning away, churning away, and like you got there's a there's a time limit on that stuff. Obviously, it's like getting dark. They finally just rush in and pour it, they just back it and up, like just try to. And I think they finally got the forms done, but that truck had been, and I even think the oh. truck driver had been telling them, "Yo, like hey, you're we're, we're getting hard back here." Time, yeah. So they pour it, and yeah, it's starting to set up, and they can't get it spread out, and but they have to empty the truck because the truck guy, if he comes back with dry concrete, he has to jackhammer it right. out of his own truck. So he's like, "No, we're dumping this all right now." They dump semi-dry concrete Ugh. into the patio, and I'm just watching it. And so I'm looking at the guy, and he's sweating bullets. And we look at each other, and I say, "You know what you have to do tomorrow." <laughs> He and his guys had to jackhammer because then it's set up, you know, it's set up overnight. Yeah, that's so it sets, up, it sets up pretty quick. The whole thing is bad. So the next day they came out and jackhammered up the whole new oh. slab. It was like $4,000 worth of concrete. 
and just well then he made a second mistake which I will I'll spare you guys the details. He put that concrete also in the same concrete dumpster. So I when told the, you when the, I was like they're gonna dump it. When the dumpster guy came, he's like, Yeah, we can't take all that. That's too, too much. So he just like tips it, dumps half of it back no. in the driveway. Yeah. So anyway, that I'll save the rest of that story for later. But yeah. That's contractors. Sometimes. Was this a, was he really was he really cheap or inexpensive? He was not. Yeah, we were on cheap mode. Like I I was I was cheap mode most of my life, and then um, in the past four years, after some major money wasted, you, you get what you pay for. I have changed my tune. Yeah, I was trying. I'm trying to think of how to like vet that out. If you're just a you know kind of the average Joe and you're. Trying to so decide hard. who who do I hire if I want to have something done like that, you know that you always say like you get three quotes and you go with the middle one. I never I never do that. Yeah. Like I always think I'm always like I should be getting somebody. I never do it. You should at least do that, and this can be a whole separate show. You should at least do that. But another nightmare I've had where I probably wasted the most money on somebody that I had to fire off the job, and I ended up firing concrete guy as well, is. I called his references and they were glowing. Really? And what I figured out is that my the scope of my job was way bigger than anything he had ever done. Mm-hmm. So when you're calling references, you have to know you like have to interview them. Like exactly yeah. what did he do? I was getting I was trying to gauge his personality. I was like, did he say did he show up when he was going to supposed to show up? How was he to work with? All that was glowing, but the actual skill level. Anyway, wasn't quite there. New podcast. Uh. Dave, what's story number two? Story number two. All right. So this, um, okay. So sometimes when you have, it's kind of a specific type of building. Sometimes it's libraries. Sometimes it is um, banks, but they'll do what's called a prototype. You'll have a prototype building and it'll be like, so a municipality says, says, hey, we want to build 10 uh, libraries, you know, throughout the county or whatever, something like that. And what they'll do is they'll they'll say, hey, we're, we have this one design for a library that we really like. We're going to do it one time. This is the prototype. We're going to figure out all the bugs, like all the issues that we have with this type of building and this layout. And then once we figure all that out and we get really good at it, we're just going to replicate it nine more times around the county. It's called a prototype. It's so like a beta building. Yeah, a little, ba- a little beta, beta test. A beta test. And so like on the engineering side or the design side, the architecture side, you get – so you get like a full fee for that first one. And then the other one, some, if, you, if they come back and use you again, you'll get kind of like a reduced fee because you've already done it. But – you know, you place another building on a different site and the, you know, maybe this one is right on the water or something like that. So you have higher wind loader, you know, different different soils on each site anyway. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but you'll get a just a kind of a, like a reduced fee, whatever. So you have these you have these prototype buildings. Well, I was doing this one building one time uh, we designed. It. I actually didn't work on this project to start out. I got pulled into it when things went sideways. Where are you career-wise at this one? I'm not brand new, but I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not where I'm You're at now. You're not seasoned. I'm not seasoned. Right. Um, this, I was I was working in like a project manager role at this time, and uh, I was pretty new to that at that point. So I had a lot of like contractor interface on this one. So what happened was this building was getting built, and I think the... The the framer on the job wasn't – I don't know exactly what happened with him, but it didn't go well between him and the GC, the general contractor. He didn't know what he was doing. He wasn't doing a good job, and basically he got fired. What I'm assuming in was spectacular fashion from what the story that I heard from the general contractor. And I think there was – you know they didn't have anybody frame this building out. Well, what I found out was the <laughs> – this sounds so crazy. The landscaper was like, oh, I can do it. And so they, they let the landscaper – come in and frame this building. Well, he framed it, I was told, 
over one weekend while nobody was there. So zero oversight. Nobody saw him doing it. It was a it was the literal landscape guy was putting this building together. And he got, I don't know, over the weekend, he got really far with the job. I don't know how much of it was already done. But when I went out there, it was, I don't know, it's probably 80, 80% put together, this building, in terms of the structure. So there's no drywall up. Like, you drive by it, and it's like a skeleton-looking building, right? But in terms of the structure, that is like 80% up. Well, he did it all. He did everything wrong. Like, he did it all wrong. He used all the wrong material. Everything was done incorrectly in terms of, so like we put, I put together, you know, these draw my company, we put together these drawings on how to put this building together. The landscaper was like, I got this. And he didn't use those. Everything was incorrect. So I have to go out there and I'm walking around this building and I'm just looking at this stuff. And the idea is, hey, we're going to build this thing and we're going to figure this all out. And then it's going to be easy sailing because this is the prototype. I was like, this is the worst prototype building that I've ever seen. I mean, you can't re... So that's what happens a lot of times in engineering is you'll get hired by somebody to kind of fix. You'll, you'll, you'll have to justify what's already been built. The reason they do that is because it's way cheaper to, to pay somebody to justify than it is to... Like you, you get paid, you know, I guess kind of well for those jobs because for them to rip it all out and rebuild it is extremely expensive. Anyway, so I we, we ended up having to justify all this stuff that this landscape guy put together. It was a disaster. It, it ended up, he actually did a, a decent job, I would say, for a landscaper, um, for somebody who has no training. I don't know what his background was. Maybe he knew, maybe he had done this before. His cousin was a framer. He could have been, but this thing, it was, it was probably, I'm going to say I lost maybe three years on my life over wow. the course of three months. Like it was just so stressful because look, the contractor stressed out. He's got a lot of money invested in this and he's like, Hey, I just need this figured out. So we want to help him out. But then you, you know, you got to do like, you got to do the right thing. So like you're he, as an engineer in this case, you're trying to tell them what they can salvage. Exactly. Yeah, so okay. what, what we're doing is we're looking, we're looking at how things are put together and we're trying to either number one, Hey, can we justify what they've done and say, hey, this is how hard the wind's going to blow. This is how hard the earth's going to shake in a seismic event. Is this adequate? Yes. Okay, good. We'll move on to the next condition that they didn't do right. And then we'll come to one and we'll say, hey, this isn't right. We've got to figure out what are we, what, what's the easiest way to fix this? Like, what do we have to do? What can we, what can we, you know, what kind of structure can we build it up to kind of make it, to bring Retrofit. it up? Yeah. Something. What can we do to, to, to make this thing right? And so that, you know, you, you that you, you spent there are a lot of long nights, you know, spent trying to figure out those conditions. Everything was done properly. Like you spend a lot of time figuring it out, but there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears. So, yeah, the time that the that the landscape guy put the building together was um, that was a dark moment. For it's a me. blunder. It was do a you, blunder. Do you know if they ever um, did they end up doing a real prototype building after that? I, I don't know if they did or not. I, like I a functional prototype building. <laughs> I would assume that they did. That it was, it was, it was a very. There were a lot of things going on with that building. the The contractor was like, I don't know. I don't want to say too much. I wasn't. I, so I, I left that. I moved on to another job. I don't know. Maybe a year after that point, or or six months to a year after that point. So I don't know exactly what happened after that. But um, yeah. The the prototype. Did, I'll say this: the prototype did not get off uh, on the best foot. Okay. Mm. They got it figured out though. I don't really have a good story. I honestly Whoa. don't. It's just I was thinking about the guy that I had to fire. And it was one of the – I mean, that was super hard to have to do that. And it was actually a guy that worked on Josh's house. It was a blunder. 
Yeah, it was a blunder. Josh tell, had a tell great us about the blunder. It's a blunder. He had, show. he had a great experience with this guy, and I needed my fascia board. And... I had a better than average experience. Okay, with this okay, guy. we'll say that. But I, I wanted to replace my fascia board and gutters. That's what he was going to do. I'm like, pretty easy job, you know. That is pretty easy. I wanted PVC. I'm going to do solid PVC to replace my fascia board. So, like, the fascia board is when you look at your house, it's where's the fascia board? facing you. Is Behind it? the gutters if you have gutters. Right. So, the soffit is the horizontal piece. That's the underside. Underside. If you walk up to your exterior wall and you look up, you're looking. You're at looking the at the soffit, the mm-hmm. underside of kind of the roof right and there. And the fascia board is, like Josh said, is on the face. On the face, and your gutters are attached to your fascia board, and then you know your your roof shingles are just laid over into your gutters. Really, if you have gutters. Anyhow, I had a, I had some rot issues. It it was the same fascia board that had been on there since it was built in 1964. They needed to be redone. I had done research. It's like I want PVC. I told him that. Buy once, cry once. Yep, told him that. And he's like, okay. And then he goes to pick up materials and he starts unloading. And he had already unloaded a lot. And I'm like, this is not PVC. He didn't know this who is literally he was wood. dealing with. Yeah. And he, he said, well, the guys that, oh, the, he went to like a builder supply place. It wasn't a home depot. Did he proceed to tell you why you were wrong? Exactly. He <laughs> did. Oh, it doesn't sound like a so contractor. He says that the guys at the building supply said, no, you don't want to use that. And I'm like, well, I do. I've I've looked into this. I I that's what I want to use. And I wasn't using some thin PVC. I'm talking, I mean, this was like, you know, this is something that is nominal dimension. It's done in Yeah, the, it totally is. Yeah. It is. There's considerations when you use PVC for fascia board, especially longer runs when there's uh great temperature differences in the summer and stuff like that. It expands and contracts w- way differently than obviously wood does. And it's not gonna it's rot plastic. You're not gonna get termites. It, right. That's what I yeah. And so then uh, we go back and forth. He's like, okay. You know, and I'm like, well, you, you, you got to take all this back, you know. And then he did. But then when he came back, he had some of the other stuff still mixed in there. Oh. Because the PVC material was way more expensive yeah. than the other stuff. So he's trying to st- – Well, he had already given you a price that he was going to yes. do this right. for. And he's like, I'm going to buy some cheaper I'm stuff. I'm just exactly. going to slide in. He's, gonna, he's trying to slide this in to this. And I'm like, no. this, this No, this is not happening. And then I had to deal with the whole he, – he did the whole thing. Are you calling me a liar? Oh, and come I'm on. Like, no, you're uh, calling you a liar. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one of those things where like – if if I wasn't as polite sometimes as I am to a lot of people, I would have been like, "Yes, absolutely, get your crap, Pack and get it out, up. yeah, get out of here right now." But like, man, that is such a tough thing to do. I never had to fire somebody. I've had issues with contractors in the past, but I'd always worked it out. Yeah, but now with this guy, I'm just like, all right. We're, we're done here. And they, they had already ripped off my gutters. So I'm like, well, I, you're I like mid job. Yeah, I got to get this done. So I ended up having to pay him like several hundred dollars for basically a few guys to just rip my gutters off and throw them in my yard. Yeah, nobody's going to win. And that's like, I'm you're just, like, just, you just going to get. Leave the gutters. Leave the gutters. I'm, we're, we're done here. I'm going to pay you this and you're going to leave. I think you, d- you probably did the right thing. Look, there, most contractors out there. Are good people. They're good contractors, but you get some fly by night kind of guys. Good people, bad businessmen. Yeah, you get some. Yeah, 
That's another. That's another podcast. Oh, but another thing, he had. I I was I had offered him water. I noticed he was like low on his water bottle or whatever. I was like, hey, you want some water? It was like hot or whatever. He's like, oh no, man, I. I uh I I drink this special water, and I'm like, Tim, you got a palm what? reader. He's a palm reader. <laughs> he had this like special like expensive water. I don't remember what it was, but I'm like, okay, that's you why know, he had to save money on the PVC. Yeah, that's cool. PVC like goes. you have your special water and get out of here. Wow. wow. Okay, Dave. All right. So last one. This is another. So the first one was on me. The second one wasn't on me. This last one it was a hundred percent. My blunder. Ownership. Yeah, extreme ownership. So, okay. I can't remember exactly what type of building it was. It was some sort of warehouse. It may have just been a warehouse that was complete. It was It was totally empty inside. It is a warehouse building. I don't remember what they were using it for. But so we got hired to basically they were like, hey, we want a second floor in our warehouse. Like we have this warehouse. It's totally empty. We want to build a second floor inside the warehouse. That we can, you know, like a little office space kind of thing. But they Usable. were, yeah. So the whole warehouse was going to have base. It was going to have a second floor to it oh, inside, like a fun project. Well, what that is, I, it, it's one of those things. I was like, this is, and this is easy. Like I'll knock this out in four hours. I'm gonna. It's get like the, treehouse level. This stuff. is easy stuff. Like it's all interior. There's no, you know, no wind. Yeah, there's no wind. It's it's easy stuff. Basically, we need to build a platform inside this warehouse that's the size of the warehouse, and we're done. Okay, so I was like, yeah, no problem. This is easy money. You know, we'll I'll knock this out for. They were like, of course, you know, we need this tomorrow. Okay, like <laughs> we'll knock it out really quick. I mean, it's literally like six hours worth of work. And I'll get you your drawings and you'll be, you know, we'll be all good. So I do these drawings, knock them out. Super proud of them. Um, I get them done. I send them to the contractor. The next day, ring, phone rings. Okay. So I pick it up. Hello, this is Dave Greenwood. These are the best drawings I've ever seen. Yeah. He goes, hey, man, uh, I got your drawings. I was like, you're welcome. And he said, there's no... There's no stairs. <laughs> oh. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, you you know, you wanted a second floor. I got you a second floor. He's like, there's no way to get up to the second floor. Oh, no. Use the elevator. So I, I like pull out these drawings and it is a second floor the size of this building with zero holes cut into the floor. <laughs> like there's no way. T- I gave them a building with, with a second ceiling. floor. <laughs> yeah, I gave them a building with a ceiling. I gave them a building. There's no way to get to the second. Like if you can imagine you build this. You build a second floor with no – if you live in a house with a second floor in it, there's a hole cut in that second floor so that you can walk up your stairs and access your second floor. I built them a second floor, designed a second floor that they could not access, which is – I would say it's not usable, okay? <laughs> it's an attic with no So access. this this kind of thing, I was like, hey, man, look. I was like, first of all, honest mistake. Okay, everybody makes mistakes. And second of all, I was like, I'll fi- I was like, this isn't – look – it was an easy – it legitimately is an easy fix. I was like, I'll, I'll turn these drawings around to you literally within the – like 30 minutes. She'll have these like – he's like, don't even bother. I was like, no problem. <laughs> no. I hung the phone up. Sent I sent zero bills to him. Like obviously I'm not charging this guy. And I never heard from him again. That's so, funny. That, yeah, that was a huge like facepalm like moment. You know, I was you like, know, oh my oh, gosh. What, what's horrible because, you know, Dave's talked often about the uh, – the relationship between contractors and the engineers. So you know that guy's like, yeah, man, that one time I got that engineer, he didn't even That guy was – he didn't even – he couldn't even get to the second floor. Yeah, look, I, 100%, he's right, I'm wrong. Like, I was an idiot. I felt like an idiot. I was like, dude, look, 
Hey, man, I'm That's sorry. Good. I said, I'm sorry. What, what can I tell you? You should have been like while you're talking with him on the phone, you're like, like you know, trying to fix it. And you'd be like, oh, you didn't you didn't get my second. I said, hey, man. Like, yeah. Like I sent you. the. I was I said, don't build this. Let okay? me resend yeah. the version. He literally said. said, don't bother. Yeah. I was like, man, I'll get this to you. Like, Did he right say, now. don't bother? I can cut a hole in the floor. You know what? That's probably what it was. And you know what? That's probably smart because I didn't even charge him for it. Like he got free engineering on that. He got free engineering on his unusable building. <laughs> That's good. It was embarrassing. Dave, really enjoyed that. We'll have to uh, have have some other shows with some construction blunders. And uh, it's just, it's interesting and hearing what Dave could, does. Too. you got to laugh about him sometimes. Oh, since, for sure. I mean, since day one of this podcast also – I mean, and one of the reasons this podcast was started was due to contractor nightmares. <laughs> it was. And yeah. so we need like we need to follow up on some of these stories. There's a lot of stories out homeowners there. Yeah. And uh, maybe yeah, maybe pick the brains of the Facebook group. For sure. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break and Josh has the bonus segment for us this week. We'll be right back. Do you have an idea for a website that you've just been sitting on forever and ever and just can't get it off the ground? Well, maybe website hosting and domain name registration and all these things kind of confuse you. They did me at one point in time, but I've been using GetSimple.net for years. You know, hosting your website can be really complex, such a hassle, but not when you go to GetSimple.net. Whether you need hosting for something specific like WordPress or you need to register a domain name, Simple Source Solutions can help you dump the stress and get back to doing what makes your business great. Simple Source is your trusted hosting provider for all your hosting needs. We've got a promo code for you guys. So to get started, visit GetSimple.net and use promo code YCM for 10% off your order. That's promo code YCM at GetSimple.net. All right, guys. Welcome back. Josh. Man, is it? Come on. Is what it you be got for us? It's going to be something about people getting hurt. Yes. Or, Yes. What? Yeah, I know that's my wheelhouse. That doesn't sound right. So, I shouldn't be yeah, saying people, yes, but I've gone off script of the mayhem and destruction. You need to and s- people complain. Stick to what you're good at. The people complain. They're like, we want Yo, more death. I heard on the radio, like the real radio, them mentioning a woman who fell out of an airplane and landed in a tree and survived. And I was like, I know that story. <laughs> yeah, in the jungle. Yeah. So for, right. for listeners who are just joining the You Can Man podcast, Josh has had a tradition, if you will. Of some of his bonus segments being about just total catastrophes of people almost dying, dying, whatever. Yeah. Anyways. Weird ways to die. Things like that. Okay. Well, here's a weird one for you. Okay. So if you're anything like me, um, back in the early 2000s, I would spend some late nights watching me some Discovery Channel. And they would just have those like weird like nature stories and all that stuff. Well, one of them. The survival stories. No, uh, that that was a show too. How I survived. Yeah, but um, no, these were just like like weird nature phenomena. Okay. I guess. Okay, so this one I remember hearing way back then. I looked it up, kind of how I rem- remembered it. This occurred in 1986 in northwestern Cameroon, which is in Africa. Uh, if you're not familiar, which I am not, it has like. The shape of Africa is uh, has like a little protrusion to the left if you're looking at the map. It's like right in that little curve. Cameroon's kind of in that little curve 
under Africa. Yeah. Okay. If you want to, hey, real quick, just sidebar. If you want a quick, if you're like, hey, I want to get into the UFC, but I don't want to, you know, I don't know mm. where to start. Often think there that. is a Cameroonian fighter. His name's Francis Ngannou. He's from Cameroon. Okay. And the man has lightning, lightning in his fist. Like he finishes. He's he's like the modern day Mike Tyson. Just okay. like go check out Francis Ngannou. This I think he's UFC? from. I think he's from Cameroon. Okay, we'll look into that. Okay. I wonder if he has any family that was affected. By check this. it out. 1986, Cameroon. We're at Lake Nyos, which is how I think you say it. Um, I can't be wrong. So overnight, people near Lake Nyos, down the hill from this lake, uh, seventeen hundred people don't wake up, or and a thirty five hundred head of livestock. The sun rises and there is death in the valley. Gas leak. That's like that's like Passover yes, stuff. There, that man. is Passover stuff. So uh, yeah, what happened is this lake sits in a volcanic, an old volcanic crater. And this volcano is not active, but it's still like spitting out some gas uh, from from up underneath. This gas has methane and but carbon dioxide mostly, and it's just it fizzles, it fizzes up into this lake, right? Like a like literally a cap on the bottle. Now there's no cap on this lake, but the way the water is, like the content of the water and all of that stuff, the CO two is kept at the bottom. And it just builds up and builds up and builds up. Well, they don't know whether it was a landslide or a little earthquake that caused a landslide, but something disturbed this lake big time and basically was like unscrewing the top on a can of Coke, bottle of Coke. And all of that carbon dioxide just rushed to the surface, right? And it says it actually rose. At 62 miles per hour, they they calculated it because they could see how high up it got sprayed like on the mountains around the lake. And then it rushed uh, down the hill. So it topped over this natural dam, the lip of the crater, and rushed down the hill. Now, what's crazy is it's just gas. Like it was just a wall of gas. Which you can't see. It's just coming down the... Can't see it. They It did shoot like water and foam up just like when when you shake up a bottle and open it. The wave was 82 feet high across the lake and, like, top the edge of it. Anyway, all the gas, because CO2 is heavier than air, it sunk down, ran downhill, and anything that was sixteen within 16 miles of this lake got wiped out. Oh. Uh, it was terrible, um, very gross. All those people just, like, asphyxiated. Yeah, they just, yeah, you straight up suffocate. Yep. Okay, so there's possibility like other gases were released as well. It was likely, but CO2 is what really got any everybody. But there was a survivor that had this crazy quote. I'm going to read it just because it's so weird. He said he described – this is what he described after he woke up from the gases. So he was like a survivor. So this happens like everyone around him is dead. He wakes up for whatever reason. He got caught in a pocket of good air or whatever. But he got some of the CO2. He says, I could not speak. I became unconscious. I could not open my mouth because then I would smell something terrible. I heard my daughter snoring in a terrible way, very abnormal. When crossing to my daughter's bed, I collapsed and fell. I was there until 9 o'clock the next morning until a friend of mine came and knocked at my door. I was surprised to see that my trousers were red and had some stains like honey. 
I saw some starchy mess on my body. My arms had some wounds. I didn't really know how I got these wounds. I opened the door. I wanted to speak, but my breath would not come out. My daughter was dead. I went into my daughter's bed thinking that she was sleeping. I slept till it was 4.30 in the afternoon. So he like woke up and then like saw his daughter and like tried to get to the door, but like went back to sleep, like went back unconscious, managed to get to a neighbor's house after he woke up the second time. They were all dead. He got on his motorcycle and drove through Nyos and didn't see anybody, saw nothing alive. I was unable to walk or talk. He was completely weak. So this also caused these crazy like lesions on people. Like I don't know the science behind that. But there must like, have been some other gas. That's why you was, mentioned yeah, that, right? Poisoning by these gases could cause burning pains in the eyes and nose, coughing, and other signs similar to being strangled to death. Um, and so interviews of survivors indicated that they rapidly lost consciousness and that deaths were caused by CO2 asphyxiation. Right. There's um, no air to breathe, right? So you just... You can't yeah, breathe. That's it. Night, night. Uh, skin lesions found on survivors represent pressure sores. So they would like wherever they were laying and then their body wasn't like getting oxygenated. Ugh. Like so you, there was no good uh, oxygen to heal. I wonder if that's the kind of thing where like could you get – I mean you. I don't think you would know this. Like if you're in your house and you just can't breathe all of a sudden, I don't know if you'd have the wherewithal. But like if could you get to your roof and then get to where like, you know, yeah, some fresh air? I guess if you It's knew, your best bet. But man. Man. Uh, yeah, but who's going to be like – there was a mountain. That's what I'm saying. Like, you wouldn't know. There's a mountain of CO2 that yeah, just. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever yeah. have that random, like, carbon monoxide freak out where you're like, hunt, I'm like, feeling weird? And no. Sad. Have you ever had the alarm go off and you're like, I don't know what to do? Often. Because yeah. I've had I, that when happen. I pull the Bronco into the garage. I just disable all mine. Yeah. yeah. I just blow on it. And then if it goes back <laughs> off again, then I'll be worried. So, uh, follow up to the story. So horrible, right? Super freak accident. Yeah. A little like. Earth. Did they say? Do they feel? Like, did, did did they say that most people probably went like night night like real quick? Yes, they said. Oh, it'd they be fast. Described right? it as immediate. Oh, that's good. Rapidly, within within well, two minutes, you'd rapidly be unconscious. Lost consciousness. Yeah, you'd be like try holding your breath. You can do it for a minute. I mean, okay. you'd be out quick. Okay. Um, so the aftermath here. So this is like okay, you got this crazy lake. Living up here, right? Several researchers proposed installing degassing columns. So basically, they stick straws down, like mm, to relieve the pressure, to let the to let the gas come all the way out yeah. into the atmosphere normally, uh, to slowly vent any gas uh, that is um, coming up from the heavily saturated water from the bottom of the lake. Uh, in '95, this I mean, this took ten years to actually install. The first were installed in 2001. So. In 95, sorry, shortly after they developed the idea, we should have pipes that are venting gas. In 95, they tested it. And then in 2001, they installed the first ones. They installed more back in 2011. And in 2019, they determined that they had gotten the lake to a steady state so that this wouldn't happen again. Interestingly enough, there have been other African lakes that are like similar in structure, but they are found to be good to go. Dang, that is crazy. I had never thought about that. Yeah, I remember watching that Discovery special. And they, you know, they make it all dramatic, like middle of the night. And it's like invisible cloud. But that's exactly what happened. It's just like Passover style. You've got no just chance. Like you're just, asleep. Now what are you going to do? Just laid out a whole village. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't even know. You uh, go to sleep, you don't wake up. So 
You're welcome, everybody. That's messed okay. up, dog. All right. Everybody, all the listeners out there that have been waiting for Josh's morbid stories to come back, well, there you go. It, it, did that have like a name? Like, was there a, a name associated? The Lake Nios disaster. Lake I don't know. Lake Nios disaster. I think yeah. Francis Singanu got out before then. I'm not 100% sure on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is crazy. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us once again on the UK Man podcast. If you hadn't figured out already, we are uh, every other week now instead of every week like we had been doing. Bi-weekly or bi-monthly? I never know which one it is. I think you can say both. Either one. Either or, like horror or horror. Right. Right. Bringing it back. Gosh, what number episode was this? This is 95. 95. We're coming up on 100 episodes What's here shortly. What kind of blowout? Something. Dang. Hey, we now, need that, shirts. now that COVID's over, we can have like a gathering with our listeners. Yeah. Oh, we need to. We need to. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us once again. If you haven't checked out our Facebook group, do that and leave us a review if you're so kind. And we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.